job. Looks like we got ourselves a hell of a show tonight. That we do, Patrick. That we do. Right now, we've got Bromeo Montague standing in the middle of the ring with the microphone. Looks like he's about to say something. Which is I, Bromeo Montague. And I call down now to the ring... Meat Hammer Capulet. Oh my God, he's calling out Meat Hammer Capulet. That he is, Patrick. I really wonder what... Oh my God, here he comes. You can hear the theme music. Boom, ba ba cha ba cha bom bom ba choom bom ba ba cha ba cha bom bom ba choom bom ba ba cha ba cha bom bom ba choom. He's making his way to the ring. Why have you summoned me, Romeo Montague? Because Meat Hammer Capulet, I must tell you, I love your sister, and we will be wed, whether you respect it or not. Well, in that case, Bromeo, I, Meat Hammer Capulet, challenge you to a table, ladders, and chair match. Oh my God, Bob, they're pulling out the tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh my God is right, Patrick. Here it go. Oh, they're going to town on each other. Boom. Oh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Bromeo just put... Meat hook through the table. He's rolling around. Meat hammer's going for the chair. Oh, right to the face of Bromeo. This is not going to help their family feud at all. Oh, it looks like he's, looks like he's got Bromeo on the ropes. And the ref's doing nothing. Wait a minute. Could it be? Yes. Oh my god, the ref was a Capulet all along, and the crowd goes wild. Welcome back to Ruben Uncut. Today's special guest in studio, a thing I don't normally have the ability to say, my good friend, Gato Baracho. Hi. Uh, Hi, everybody. <laughs> welcome. Welcome back to the show. We've had my friend Gato on here a couple times for uh, numerous re uh, for a couple different conversations. The first conversation... Uh, about uh, veterinary stuff, and the second conversation about punk rock music. But today, we're going to be talking about wrestling. <laughs> uh, just for quick background, I personally um, briefly watched wrestling when one of my brothers was into it when he was younger. Um, I got sucked into watching mostly, uh, I believe it was, was it Thursday Night Smackdown at that point? That sounds correct. Or was yeah, it Friday? They've, swi they've switched days a lot. I remember it being Thursday for a while. It, it was on UPN. That's when it was. Uh, that's if you remember the channel UPN. <laughs> I remember that. 
Uh, that's that's how long ago I was watching it, and then I think I may have watched it a little bit after uh, they merged, and then I watched some TNA in college, uh, and I've seen some random pay-per-views or uh, matches on the internet after that. But overall, I I would say that I find wrestling to be a a very fascinating form of theater. Uh, tell us about your uh, background with wrestling. Um, the first match I remember seeing was in 1997, I think. Uh, we were in Europe still, and uh, uh, I was home by myself, I think, because uh, for like, I think my mom had gone to the store, and like my sister was at some like camp thing for school, and my brother was. Uh, doing like doing a school play or something and like i was we only had a couple of channels and one of them was like the uh u.s armed forces network <laughs> like af it's called afn and uh like we, we would pick that up on, because it was basically like on an open channel and uh they would play like uh episodes of like raw and uh wwf superstars i think and i remember superstars came out on saturday and uh, usually my parents would not let me watch raw because it came on at like nine o'clock so i would have to sneak down in the basement after they were asleep to watch that <laughs> what time does your parents normally go to sleep i mean, Depend. <laughs> they were in bed by like nine, or was it? Oh, they, no. they, they both... Or did you only catch like the second half? Because these are two normally two hour long programs. I mean, this was the nineties, though. It might not. It might have been less than that, but um, yeah, I would catch probably just the last half of it or the first half of it, and then I'd get caught. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, wrestling was the first thing that I became like just. Yeah, you know little kids just get aggressively into like a thing. Yes, <laughs> and if the, and it becomes like it's like kind of scary how into it they get. That wrestling was that for me. Like if I missed anything, I would freak out. <laughs> like I think the first time I ever got grounded was because of how like much I flipped shit when I missed wrestling. <laughs> I understand. And, and then um, we moved to Ohio. We finally had cable. And uh, my parents decided I was old enough that I could handle watching, like, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, and I kept watching until... And I was, I, I was exclusively a WWE guy. I knew other stuff existed, but I had no idea how to find it. And uh, Impact... Uh, when did Impact start? I don't even remember. <laughs> but I, I just Impact just wasn't on my radar, really. Um, but uh, unrelated question, but I was curious: was Ohio um, was Ohio the first state that your family lived in, or did you? What? what where did your family live when you first came to America? Uh, Westerville. About it. So, so Ohio was the like. The place you guys first got to when you got here. I mean, we traveled around a lot, but yeah, that was the first place that we like stayed for more than a <laughs> oh, okay. couple of years. Yeah. All right. We mainly hopped around Europe, but 
yeah, start, I kept watching, on, like on a like religiously watching until about 2008 when I moved up to Kent and didn't have a TV anymore. Mm-hmm. And around and that coincided with the time when uh, Donald Trump was doing a feud with Vince McMahon for Mania that year. Historic. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the Hall of Fame too, by the way. Donald Trump is in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he's in. He, he doesn't wear the ring, but he is in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's hilariously stupid. Yeah, and he like he hosted a couple manias. I hear they're the he lowest that. rated yeah, manias. Yeah, the, they're of the time. worst manias. Yeah, he hosted nine, which was like the first like just don't no wait no two was pretty bad, but um, but nine was just the dumbest tackiest mania. It had like uh, that one finish where Bret Hart. Um, was def- like finally got to like be champion, and they had him wrestle Yokozuna, and then he and then Brett got screwed out of it, and Hulk coat by like Mister Fuji throwing salt in his eyes or something, and then Hogan came in and just for no reason they get started another match, and Hogan won in like a minute and a half or something ridiculous, like that was one of them, and then I do not remember. Like, I know he hosted two, but I don't like uh, two WrestleManias, but I don't remember what the second one is. Uh, but uh, he, uh, they did a storyline where he bought Monday Night Raw. I don't think it was that he bought the entire company. He just bought Raw, and then that's yeah. and then he ushered in like the unwatchably not very good era <laughs> with like this with like. Uh, the Muppets guest like hosted it a lot, and then they would have uh, people from uh, like sitcoms that were on USA at the time hosting rest hosting Raw every week, and most of them did not watch wrestling, so they just didn't want to be there, or they would like fuck up their lines or something. Like that. So basically, for any listeners not super familiar with with wrestling. Long story short is, Donald Trump, at one point, as part of a storyline for televised wrestling, supposedly bought the wrestling company, or at least that show of the wrestling company, and proceeded to ruin it with dumb ideas like guest hosts. Yeah, and it stayed that bad for years. <laughs> I think they didn't start turning that shit around until like 2013, 2014. Uh, but uh, yeah, I stopped watching during that era, and just like I still would watch like ma- random matches on YouTube here and there, but like mostly like between music and improv and all that, I just didn't really feel compelled to watch it. And usually, I also wouldn't have cable. But uh, then uh, fast forward to about like 2013. Uh, like I had a rough breakup and I was drinking and uh, like a lot <laughs> and doing some other stuff and uh, the WWE network had just become a thing that was like their own streaming platform uh, and I needed any distraction I could get so I, I like canceled my Netflix and Hulu prescriptions and <laughs> spent it on a WWE network. And back then, so few people had it that uh, it was, uh, you had to uh, agree to maintaining a subscription for at least six months. (laughs) Like, you were locked in for six months. Wow. Yeah. That's hilarious. Then, like, a year or two later, so many people had it. They're like, yeah, yeah, just 
quit and come back whenever you want. It's fine. But but uh, because of that, they put that's what they put their pay per views on now. So I was and WrestleMania was coming up, so uh, that's part of the reason I started watching again. And uh, yeah, I've been watch, watching it ever since. And uh, while I was then I moved to Oklahoma and I kept watching it. And one day I was really drunk and I watched a uh, I think it was like Captain Lou Albano or somebody like do a manager promo. And I was like, I could fucking do that. <laughs> And then I decided to find a wrestling school to see if I could be a professional wrestling manager. And so began his journey into wrestling. Yes. Now, for any of the listeners who don't know anything about wrestling, if you were going to describe wrestling to a person who... I think you just used their government name in there. I did use your government name. God damn it. I'll have to, I'll have to blank those out in the editing. Okay. Don't worry, I'll I'll go in and I'll scrub them. I know it's Ruben Uncut, but I do protect my sources. Uh, so, so Gato. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. I, <clears throat> so Gato, yeah. if uh, if you were. Try, if you had to describe wrestling to someone who knew nothing about wrestling, how would you describe it to them? Uh, pro wrestling is... Uh, it's a... Theatrical performance about a theatrical performance is the way I look at it. Because like, every wrestling show is about <laughs> a wrestling show. Uh because no, it's been, like they don't acknowledge other companies. Usually, AEW does all the time now. But, um, it's just about like what is happening at this particular performance of this wrestling company, and like yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's equal parts vaudeville and uh, pugilism and uh, it, uh, it, it, like Broadway pugilism and there's co- there's comedy in there if you like comedy there's comedy if you like violence there's violence <laughs> I guess the the golden combo of violence and comedy yeah. uh, I've heard also heard the phrase murder gymnastics used to describe <laughs> pro wrestling and I like that one <laughs> yeah I it is because I would agree with all that because it is it is just a very strange form of theater. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, it started out as essentially a con game where, you, where like uh, just like in Spider Man, you had people who would try and get in the ring and wrestle for money. But uh, if if the person from the crowd started winning, they sort of just either cheat or push them against the cu- curtain where they could be hit by a, a club to steal their money. Uh, but uh, the way they would get people to uh, people to come and wrestle wrestle their uh, wrestler was by basically emasculating. <laughs> oh yeah, classic classic move. Yeah, they, of manipulation. They, apparently, they would just look for the nearest guy who had a woman with him and just be like, hey, "Why don't you show your lady friend how tough you are by beating our guy?" Oh no, you want you fuck pussy? Is your girlfriend knows she's. Dead? 
They just they would just bait them into participating, and uh, other uh, it was always like a sideshow thing. But like other people would just have two guys that were shoot wrestlers, and then they would wrestle, and um, then eventually somewhere along the line, they're like, "Hey, what if we just <laughs> pre uh, like uh, predetermine these matches and uh, to get more people to show up?" It's like. Uh, say you're from the jungle or something you know, like they that's when the characters started coming in yeah and it's uh slowly warped into this strange thing actually wait here's a here's the one wrestling historical fact that i know which is fascinating um in terms of polit in terms of politics actually um so for a long time wrestling despite being largely theatrical was recognized as a sport and had to, like, pay dues and, like, abide by the regulations of the sporting commissions of numerous states. Until Rick Santorum in Pennsylvania made a deal with Vince McMahon to get the state to recognize wrestling as entertainment instead of a sport. Mm -hmm. Which meant that at any show they were doing in Pennsylvania, there were... They no longer had to abide by the rules of sporting, which meant that they no longer had to be drug tested in Pennsylvania. They no longer had to have safety me- the same type of safety measures as sports. You, there were no, it was no longer illegal to hit people with things. Like, people getting hit with chairs and things became a big deal because in Pennsylvania you could do it. <laughs> uh, and so once they no longer had to... And I believe some states, they still do go through the sporting division. Yeah, uh, it, it varies state by state. Like, I, I, where I got in business in Oklahoma, they still, the uh, athletic commission still uh, lumps pro wrestling in with boxing and MMA. Yeah. But uh, in Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah. You can, like, there's a, there's a bunch of states that uh, just kind of leave wrestling alone. Texas doesn't give a shit at all. <laughs> like, you just have to apply for a permit to have a, to have a show. And, like, and yeah, no commission in Texas. Um, I, I uh, no commission in like I'm pretty sure the West Coast doesn't care. <laughs> but like, yeah, mostly it's like the South where they still lump wrestling in with MMA and boxing just because they need money. Mm-hmm. I think other states may have also fallen suit because um, yeah, rest, they, uh, it made blood... Vince McMahon spend more money in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure WWE people have to like have licenses in all the states too, but they probably have like other people, like other people hold them or something. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, like I start got into the business like uh, man, within the first month of moving to Oklahoma because I needed shit to do because I didn't know anybody, <laughs> and it took me a while to find a job out there. <laughs> It was pretty slim pickings for a while. Uh, so I needed friends and I needed something to do. So I just like typed Tulsa Pro Wrestling into Google and just looked at all the different companies and found the one that seemed like the best fit for me. <laughs> Which was, uh, I, can, I can talk about because it it's not a company anymore, but it was called Compound. And uh, I liked Compound because... Uh, it looked like that it was good, but not like 
too good. Like I didn't want to like ha- like join a company of a bunch of like uh, like people like oh you gotta be really good because we're streaming this on the internet and <laughs> you wanted a lower pressure yeah low, lower pressure. I wanted to have fun and see how I took to it. And Compound turned out to be the right call. <laughs> uh, and uh, actually, it, at the uh, at first when I started training, it was in the garage behind a used cell phone store next to a pawn shop about three miles south from where I live. So it wasn't even that far away. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, yeah, I just paid 200 bucks and the, uh, booker guy said like, Hey, you gotta start as a ref. I can't just let you be a manager. <laughs> like, so ref to, so, so you get to know the business a little bit and then we'll talk later. And uh, so I refed for about yeah, nine months, ten months, something like that. Like going to training every night because I didn't have anything else to do. And then when I got a job, I still went every every time I could because I didn't have anything else to do. But uh, I was drinking a lot still back then. So, for any new lesson, listeners, Gato is. Now it's currently sober. Yeah, I've been off booze for like four years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there were some dark times. Oh, yeah, this was when my drinking was like really starting to get out of control. Like, it was getting bad. Uh, but uh, let's see. Yeah, it was rough for about. Yeah, the. Um, I guess the booker wanted to keep me on as a ref because he desperately needed refs. So for the people who don't know, a booker is the guy who books the show. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, he's the one that like writes the angles and like uh, decides who's working. And uh, our booker also owned the company. <laughs> so, I I would assume at your level that was fairly common. Yeah, yeah, the, that's how what every company in Tulsa is still like that. <laughs> Makes sense. And the ref, of course, stands for referee. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I. Did not like refing at all. Uh, I just saw it as a means to an end, but I'm still really glad that I did it because uh, it, it was like a pretty low pressure way of like learning how the business works, learning your locker room etiquette, uh, networking a little bit. So you have a bunch of different companies that you can call and try to get booked on. Um, I got a lot more work as a ref for sure, but it I, I didn't want to be a rep and then one day at my shitty job at Raising Cane's uh, my knee decided to dislocate again and, and uh, it was like the third or fourth time I did it and the doctor said and the doctor said like okay yeah you don't need surgery but just you should probably not be, be a pro wrestling referee because having to pivot and go all the the fast up and fast ups and fast downs, like uh, you run the risk of this happening again very frequently. <laughs> For those who have not seen a wrestling match, the ref is inside the ring with the wrestlers, moving around and, and pivoting and jumping and trying to see moving what's out, going on. Moving out of the way. That's a big a lot one. Too. <laughs> That's a big one. You don't want to get the referee does not want to get smashed. Yeah, especially now with the style of pro wrestling being what it is, a lot of fast strikes and dives and stuff like that, you gotta stay the fuck out of the way or you will get very hurt. <laughs> Although, in fairness, sometimes the ref getting hit 
is in the script. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there are uh, uh, planned ref bumps. Uh, I did get bumped a few times as a ref. Um, Bump meaning, of course, like uh, when you any time you make contact with the mat at, or the floor. Oh, okay. So that's specifically hit where you go down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and any time you make contact with the mat or the floor, that's considered a bump. There's a bunch of different ways to bump. I only know the basic ones because that's all that I ever needed. <laughs> but uh, the first time I got hit and had to take a face bump during a match. It was my very first main event. Uh, it was Jake O'Brien and uh, Jonah Turk, I think. And uh, the spot was like, it was this big, long fucking match. I remember being really irritated that it was, it was like 25 fucking minutes. Like, it was not fun. But, but you know, blah, blah, blah. Pay your dues, Greenhorn. <laughs> but uh, the spot was uh, Jake was in the corner and Jonah was about to do a corner splash and I think Jake grabbed me and used me as a human shield to absorb the impact or something and uh, I forgot <laughs> usually when you get hit and have to bump like uh, your chin to you have to tuck your chin to your chest to like make sure you don't get like hit your head but uh, my dumbass did not think that, hey, maybe this guy running straight at me, I shouldn't be tucking my head right now. And uh, hit, uh, jo Jonah's head smashed directly into my chin, and it split my uh, lower lip a little bit. Oof. But uh, I still took the face bump. It, it was bad, probably because I was so distracted by, all, by the taste of blood. Uh, but, yeah, then I had to stay down and then just not move. And until one of them shook me awake, and then I had to do a really slow count and then sell all the way back to the locker room. Uh, I think I had to sell my ribs. But uh, it, it, let's I, explain selling to the people. Selling means like acting like something hurts or just acknowledging something in any way, like in a move in any way. Uh, so. With and it depends on like what kind of move you're taking, like what you sell. Like so, somebody. Has you in a chokehold, you gotta like be like clawing at their hands and like acting like you can't breathe. Uh, if if uh, somebody's giving you an ankle lock, you gotta be like, "Ow, oh my god, it hurts so much!" You know, like basically, you gotta sell that it's that it's real, that you're actually in a fight, and it and it doesn't feel good. Uh, refs have to do it too, um, but usually when refs get touched at all, it just kills you, <laughs> like because you're a ref, not a wrestler. So whenever you get, unless it's like. They just shove you or something. You don't really have to sell that too much. You are a mere mortal compared yeah, to that. Yeah, basically, yeah. You are a, just a little little uh, Power Ranger putty getting hit, basically. <laughs> and, like, anything is devastating. So, uh, yeah, I had... Um, One could say that selling is the most basic acting skill that the rest of yeah, needs. Yeah, that, I mean, uh, some of it isn't really acting because the shit's still, <laughs> like... I, like uh, shit does hurt. Like it does not feel. I was great. gonna say. I was gonna say. How much did you have to pretend after getting your lip busted? I mean, the lip. I, that wasn't selling at all. That was all shoot. Uh, shoot means real. In but I mean, like you way. were already in pain, so it probably yeah, wasn't that yeah, hard. Yeah, to... but I had to sell the ribs too uh, because it was a uh, stinger splash. Good and, point. And and yeah, Jonah was fucking like ninety pounds heavier than me at least, if not more. Like <laughs> he was a big guy. Uh, 
Yeah, Jonah was one of those, uh, even though he's a little chubby, he's still really fast and can <laughs> like do, do cool stuff. Uh, I don't even know if he's still working. I know he moved to Philly and was working for Chikara for a little bit, and uh, I don't know. I lost, lost contact with him after that. But, uh, yeah, uh, and then what I... Uh, I took a sidewalk slam once. I should. I think I forgot to say this was when I was at my absolute worst with boozing. So anything that I'm saying right now is just how I remember it. <laughs> so what is a sidewalk fall? A sidewalk slam. That's a sidewalk when, slam. Uh, you know when they kind of scoop, like they kind of scoop the person up, and so like they're. Feeder, like feeder in the air, and then like it just drop on the person's back. Uh, oh, okay. Only, usually, only big guys do it because that way it's a farther fall, and they and it's like, oh yeah, you put all this it because like uh, basically the psychology behind it is he's, this this really big guy is dropping you on your back, but also driving his arm into your chest. Um, it used to be a finish in like the seventies and eighties, but now it's like just a basic power back in, move. Back in simpler times. Yeah, back in simpler times. <laughs> Uh, before wrestling got all crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, the uh, Lucha Libre down in Mexico and then, like, the stuff they were doing out in Japan uh, is what really <laughs> upped the athleticism in- involved in pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would honestly recommend checking out some of the uh, Japanese pro wrestling. It's it's wild. Yeah, I'm more of a Lucha Libre guy myself, but uh, yeah, that's J- fair. Japan, Japan stuff can get uncomfortable sometimes. That's kind of why. <laughs> that's kind of like the, the strong style stuff, and then like just I like it, but I can't watch two guys like just giving each other actual spinning back fists, just and chopping each other till they bleed. I can't. I, I'm pretty sure I saw one where they used a syringe as a weapon too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that the Japanese are <laughs> yeah, very it's, it's, hardcore. Uh, yeah, yeah, lucha libre. It's mainly just like, uh, you know, like the, you got the folklore kind of stuff with the masked wrestlers, and uh, then they have and, the, and uh, kind of like the energy of it. It's energetic, but it's not like kind of scary to watch like Japanese wrestling is. Because in Japan, the custom is if you're a fan. Uh, you you don't make any noise while they're wrestling, and then like if they're if uh, they're doing like a, a rest spot, like a double down, or uh, like one guy knocks the other guy down to set him up for his finish, and he's waiting for him to get up like, and doing the thing that every wrestler does, which is just basically like cu- cupping your hand to a claw and then moving it upward. I, I guess to pop the cheap seats. I don't know. <clears throat> But uh, if there's a break, you can clap, but there's no chanting, there's no screaming. Like it's, So it's just, you see this brutal, brutal stuff, or this insanely intense, phys- like physically demanding sequence of moves, and it's just dead silent. But the commentary guys are like freaking the fuck out. <laughs> and I don't know any Japanese at all. So <laughs> I don't know what they're saying, so it's just like... Are they afraid, or is this a good thing? <laughs> so, like, it's just kind of weird to me seeing, like, a mostly silent crowd, and then the commentary guys are screaming like someone's going to fucking die. <laughs> but, like, but Lucha Libre, like, they get really into it, but they they don't, it's not scary, and I actually know a fair amount of Spanish, so I can kind of follow along a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, seriously, like, the... the 
strong style in the deathmatch stuff they do in Japan. It's just like, yeah, they used to use C4 in matches or something. Yeah, like the <laughs> like, exploding ring matches. Where, yeah, like, you Mick Foley get... and Terry Funk used to do. Like, there's some fun stuff in there, but it's just, I can't, like, the strong style stuff. Like, just, I get very, very tired of it very quickly because it's just like... I understand. Like, All right. Well, let's let's get back. Let's get back to to your journey okay. to become a manager. Uh, we'll, we'll pick it up uh, from blowing money out of cans. Oh, wait. Um, oh, yeah. uh, when that happened, and I told him that the, the doctor uh, told the booker that I can't ref anymore, <laughs> and I'm going to be on crutches for three or four months. Uh, he was like, "Well." Uh, he didn't do it right away. I think I waited like two, had to wait like two or three shows before he was like, you just, you want to, you want to try being a manager now? Now, so the audience knows the manager is essentially not a real manager in the sense that you would think of the word a manager. They are an actor whose job is to help the, uh, how would you say it? Like to help them pop? Like to it basically as a manager, they put you with wrestlers that are great at the uh, wrestling parts of wrestling, but not so good at the talking parts. Yes. Um, and uh, so they put uh, managers work or basically serve as wrestlers like that uh, for their as a mouthpiece for them. Uh, so if the wrestlers just don't get any reaction from the crowd regardless like a manager annoys the crowd makes them boo so they associate you with the guy that that they're booing so that that's uh that that's your how you get finally get your first pops from a crowd if you need help in that aspect but uh, and then usually they split you up once uh the wrestlers get more confidence and kind of start to figure things out a little bit um, at f- my first client was uh, this wrestler named Menace, who was like this big jack. Like he, like I think he was like two hundred and forty pounds and just muscles and fuck you, basically. <laughs> he looked, he was a fucking tank. And Mike's like, and uh, Mike the Booker was like, hey, I'm putting you with Menace. I was like, trust. And like the gimmick that I had, like uh, he made me uh, give him a basic idea of my gimmick and show him like what I would wear and all that and uh, I still had to use a crutch at the time but I could use just one and still get around okay a gimmick is the wrestling term for their character yeah 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 gimmick just like anything it's your character catchphrases or or gimmick like and also the word gimmick can be used to describe pretty much any noun or uh, verb I it's a very uh they use it for a lot of things. Yeah, it's a very highly used word in a wrestling dialect. <laughs> in terms of what Gato is referring, though, he means yeah, it character. was his character. Yeah, concept. yeah. Um, since I still needed a crutch to walk, uh, my idea, I had an idea for a while that I was basically going to be like a really paranoid, uh, angry crust punk type of guy that like just didn't trust the government or any form of authority, like kind of like anarchist kind of thing. Uh but, and like I, I had a suit, but it was like three. The suit jacket was three sizes too big because it was the only thing I could find in my price range at the thrift store. And 
and I thought it was kind of fitting because it's like, yeah, it's kind of like I'm taking the piss out of the whole I have to wear a suit and tie thing. Uh, and then I had a mohawk at the time that I, but I didn't spike it. I just left it down because I discovered that if my hair is in my face, I could tilt my head a certain way and like you could just see my eye and then I could do the crazy eyes. Like, yeah, you can't, yeah, no point was to do crazy eyes now. I can't see it. But like, I, I got really good at just having all of the warmth leave my eyes and just look like a crazy unhinged little guy and i would scream at people all match uh i mean i drank a, i was drinking a lot of whiskey and smoking a shit ton of cigarettes so there was like just a lot of like uh, like choked out raspiness to it um it, which sounds really annoying and people don't like it and then uh, once my knee healed up um I, I i could hit people with my crutch and stuff to help my guy cheat and uh so, like, he put me with Menace first, and uh, it was going great for a while. The idea, like, uh, what they did was they put Menace in a tag team with this guy, Nathan Estrada, who uh, was in a tag team before, but his tag partner uh, was taking a break. So they just put him with Menace as, like, an odd couple, babyface tag team. Uh, and then the way I entered was uh just like after a match i came, went i went down to the ring called for a microphone and it was like hey i like how you guys wrestle let's uh go back and talk business then uh two weeks later i went go out with them to a match i had to work babyface one time <laughs> which which means good guy babyface means good guy or hero or whatever you want whatever the main the characters that you're meant to root for yeah yeah like uh the um <clears throat> working babyface is not fun like uh, most wrestlers prefer working heel but uh being a good babyface is very very hard to do <laughs> so if, if anytime you see somebody's really good at being a babyface they are great at what they do because it's just so boring to be nice like I, I still needed the crutch to get around at this point when but when you're a babyface you're supposed to high five all the people in the front row it's like basic wrestling stuff. So I had to hobble forward, high five, hobble forward, high five. And eventually I just stopped. Because I, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is going to take all night. Uh, it, but uh, then me at the end of the match, uh, Menace and I betrayed Nathan and we beat him up. And I cut my very first heel promo. And, the, uh, and I just got the, like, just booed so loudly and and i remember like that was like such a cool like post performance endorphin rush because holy shit that's satisfying let's let's tell them what let's explain a promo for the uninitiated i mean there's a couple different ways you can anytime like you see a wrestler talking on a microphone it's a promo like everybody's seen those hulk hogan clips like let me tell you something brother like stuff like that um uh, uh that Promos are meant to like kind of give exposition in the storyline of a feud and to add stakes to whatever match you are promoting. That's what promo short, short for promotion. Um, so usually when I cut promos, it would just be like, ah, man, my client's so good. Nah, too bad to beat everybody. Like, now, now I think uh, maybe we should have uh, a, a championship now. Like not exactly like that. I would be like screaming and ranting and raving and just yeah part part of part of your concept of your character was uh that they were traumatized as a child because their 
mother freaked them out about yeah. fluoride in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, yeah, and then I just came like mostly damaged from that. It was real. I got way into my character because at the time I was still working at Raising Cane's and just being hung over all the time. So like the only bright spot in my entire life I had at the point because I was so drunk and so depressed all the fucking time was wrestling. Like that was all that I had. Like I was Damn. taking a break from music because I burned myself out with that. Uh, and you couldn't find any dope it, improv troops to join. Yeah, yeah. And there's no improv. There at the time. It's starting to change now. Like there's a good scene going in Oklahoma City now, and then uh, Tulsa is starting to like cook something up. So, you know, fingers crossed there because yeah, it was clown shoes before. Uh, but, uh, so, like, yeah, wrestling was all that I had. So, like, all I would do was just, like, I would be at the first window. Like, they would stick me in there because, like, the alcohol was fucking, and undiagnosed ADHD was fucking with my mood so much that I would just have the worst fucking temper. <laughs> so, they put me in the window by myself so that way I wouldn't have to be in the kitchen during the busiest times but uh so i would just think of promos and like i couldn't get mic time every week because there was another manager who's actually good and in like main like uh main event level stories and stuff so if anyone's getting mic time of course you're gonna give it to fucking richard pierce instead of me richard pierce is awesome <laughs> and he's in feuds that are, that are actually important <laughs> So, I, I wouldn't get a lot of live mic time, but uh, towards, like, big shows, I would usually start getting some. But uh, So, I would cut promos and put them up on my on uh, my gimmick page on Facebook. And I, I would just go to my friend Matt's house, and we would stand in front of his shed and just, like, film me on my phone. And then I'd post it to the Facebook. Uh, I, I uh, asked permission from the booker at first, but then after a while, I just start throwing them up there <laughs> just because I, I had to get character development somehow because like um, the menace thing uh was starting to pick up uh we were became uh number one contenders for the heavyweight championship like menace became number one contender for the heavyweight championship thanks to me being an asshole and helping him cheat uh and then uh, he, Menace just uh, had to stop. I forget why. I think he was trying to open his own church or something. He's a he's a pastor now in real life. From playing a heel, that's the term for the villain or bad guy character, to being a pastor. <laughs> yeah, he has his own company now, too, working out in uh, Tarly, So So he's still wrestling and he's being a yeah, pastor? Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a wrestling still, as far as I know, and he's got a company. They put on shows like pretty regularly if i remember right I, and it's and it's uh, and all the proceeds from the shows go to uh um feed the homeless type charities oh that's cool uh, are they one of the these um uh christian wrestling groups no actually uh, they they tried that for one show but they didn't like it so they so they okay so they still do secular storylines yeah cool. yeah it's secular storylines it's just the venue is a church ah yeah okay and uh, that's very common in the south so <laughs> Like, apparently Compound, before we got our room at uh, Perfect Practice Athletic Center, uh, it, what, in what used to be their uh, CrossFit room, <laughs> but they, don't, it, it, they realized only one guy was ever using it, so they, they, saw, they let us lease it. <laughs> and it became our venue. <laughs> but <laughs> we could only fit, like, 
400 people at most like that's probably being generous and that that includes like us pushing in bleachers from the uh basketball courts next door but uh but yeah like the menace thing and then uh at, but uh the menace thing stopped it was just put on hold and so he put me with this guy sean shields who had just come back home to oklahoma after training at a uh, lance storms school up in uh calgary and he, uh, he wasn't very good at talking. I needed a client. So Mike just put put him with me. And uh, I think it was a test for both of us because I was so fucking drunk and like outspoken and wound up all the time. And Sean was just kind of like, he didn't say like really talk unless he had to because he didn't know anybody. <laughs> and he was in... We made it work. We we definitely paid some dues though. We were like uh, Sean was uh, jobbing out for Spider for uh, quite a while. Have we explained uh, jobbing? Uh, jobbing means uh, losing. Like uh, there's a bunch of terms for the same concept. Uh, doing favors, counting lights, building. Like I've heard a bunch of stuff. Uh, jobber is kind of a derogatory term, but nowadays it's like uh, affectionate kind of derogatory. Uh, but, uh, the, the nice word to use is carpenter or enhancement talent. But, uh, yeah, me, 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 uh, I would, I was managing Sean and he was, uh, doing favors for this guy, Spider, who nobody liked, but he got to win all the time because he sold a lot of tickets just to this coven of high school girls that would always follow him. Not a literal coven. It was just, that's the only word I can think to describe the... Almost cult, but not really. <laughs> Spider would bring to every show, but that's money, and every money, and we need to pay rent for our, for our room. So he had a passionate fandom. Yeah, he, he sure did, and they were, I, I, I it, they were scary. Uh, one of them, like after I became a manager, tried to throw an unopened uh, um, can of monster at my head while I was doing crowd work. Damn. And I didn't see it. She didn't actually throw it because the person next to her just kind of like grabbed her in a bear hug because we didn't have security because <laughs> we couldn't afford it. Well, I guess you were doing your job there as a as a heel. Oh, no, I, I honestly don't think like she tried to get into the business a little bit. I think she thought it was real. Like, seriously, those people exist. Yeah, she was scary. They sound like, so like, is a wild fangirl is common in uh, in wrestling? Um, not as common as they used to be, but they're they're still around, yeah. And there's guys that are just as bad or worse too. Uh, but usually, only like uh, uh, WWE people, like really famous wrestlers, get uh, creepy fan people. <laughs> what do, What do you think of this guy, creepy fan? That spiders uh it was, it was just kind of weird because it looked like they were all still in high school like just a bunch of high school girls and i had no fucking clue how old spider was uncomfortable yeah like he like i remember looking at him and i was like this dude's either like 23 or 34 like i can't tell which because like he like uh, he never didn't have his mohawk up and it was a shitty little mohawk that used, it used to bother me how dumb his mohawk looked on him. 
and like it, and just uh, he got all his gear from fucking Hot Topic too, which is like considered like a total trash bag kind of move <laughs> in wrestling. It's like no, nah, you you shell out for good gear, dude. Don't make us look like, especially in the South, that uh, uh, that kind of look is like we're trying to look cool, like not be like the laughing stock of the wrestling industry. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, uh, we, I think it was like, oh man, like five or six matches before we finally got to beat Spider. I got to hit him with my crutch, which was very satisfying. <laughs> I do not remember if I, uh, uh, took any liberties or not, but <laughs> he definitely bothered the shit out of me. So <laughs> he was one of those guys like he, he like, uh, in wrestling, it's, the etiquette is you shake everybody's hand, and it's like this little limp kind of handshake, but it looks like you're really like, girl, how the hell are you? Like, that, that's how, like, uh, wrestlers, when you meet wrestlers, they know you're cool. Like, you know, it's up. Like, you do the worker jellyfish handshake. Spider insisted on hugging everyone. Okay. And, no, and, and uh, you know, like, wrestlers do like to hug, but not if they don't like you. And nobody fucking liked Spider. <laughs> so they would bother the shit out of it. But he was a draw, so nobody could be like, fuck you, you weird little dweeb. <laughs> Eventually, uh, when he started getting really, really full of himself and uh, being a fucking scumbag, uh, that's when people were sort of being like, fuck you, Spider. And like, I don't give a fuck how many tickets you sell. You're not booked on this show anymore. <laughs> But uh, at, at some point, like, uh, I missed a show because I came back to Ohio. I think it was around a holiday or something. And that show I missed, uh, Mike needed a tag team to fill out this, like, uh, four corners tag team match he was doing, I think. And uh, so he put Sean with this dude, Justin Dynamic, who is just coming back, that I think he worked for, like, SRPW. Okay. Uh, which was a company that was going in Tulsa at the time. That was uh, SRPW was like the adult-oriented like uh, company. Like they had really like uh, like edgy storylines and stuff like that. Which is weird because Justin was like the nicest country boy type guy I've ever met. Like I don't think I ever heard him swear like once, wow. and he was working for SRPW. I don't know, understand how he did it. But, uh, just, like, uh, Sean didn't really have a gimmick, which is why they put him with me. Um, he, uh, but Justin had a gimmick where it was, like, kind of like, uh, Chris Jericho in, like, 1997. What was but, Chris Jericho's gimmick in 1997? Uh, he, he, uh, had, like, was like, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. You guys suck. Like, at, at the, like, uh, he used to... Like Jericho's thing was, I'm such a good wrestler, and he had this giant list, like cart, like this huge piece of roll rolled up paper that had like all the wrestling holds he knew, and they would do segments where he would just read from the list, and there were repeats on the list and all that. But uh, Justin did something like that, but it was reasons that I am better than you, and like it was all just like calling the audience like white trash dum dums, basically. Um, so they put him with us because Mike didn't think that gimmick had a lot of mileage on its own. And, uh, the team, and we, and Justin and Sean, like, really liked working together. Uh, and they, they became pretty, uh, uh, cohesive very quickly, if memory serves. Like, they, it got to the point they were working out together. 
Uh, they went to WrestleMania together when uh, he came to Dallas for the first time. Uh, first time recently, anyway. And, and uh, like they promoted the team there. Uh, they, they and they decided to call the team Dynamic Shields. And then like it, we had "We Are Better Than You" written on our T-shirts and stuff. Um, and I, I was their loudmouth, paranoid manager who thought everything was a conspiracy. <laughs> but somehow it worked on paper that doesn't make any sense this like this tag this like get tag team with like matching gear and flashing moves and this dude is just like ah, fuck you everybody's everybody's a, there's a shadow government behind this entire wrestling organization and i aim to expose it <laughs> like it, but it worked like people hated us <laughs> Like, we would get booed the second... Like, it got to the point... We had so few tag teams in Compound at the time. It was just us. Uh, Mountain. They put Mountain Man in the tag team with Mighty Mouse. And that got over, surprisingly. And then uh, this fresh team that just finished training. And that was it. Just, <laughs> like, three or four... And then eventually another team finished training, and there was four of us. But, and there was uh, eight of us. But, uh... <laughs> We were the, like, the, they, Justin and Sean were, like, the best, like, technically sound tag team as far as what moves they could do. So, we would just be, cha like, they would just be champions, like, pretty much all the time. I think, uh, we had four, five, like, we had four long by, uh, small-time indie standards runs. Like, I think the longest one was, like, eight months. That's, that's a pretty long time. Um... And like, yeah, I, to this day, the match where Justin and Sean won the titles is my favorite match that I've ever worked. Like, everything went perfect. I got mic time before and after. And, uh, and uh, it, it was just great. The audience booed us out of the fucking building. And eventually it got to the point when whenever there was a tag team match, after the good guys would come out, we came out second. Like, they would start booing Right after the baby faces music would stop, it'd be boo because they knew we were coming. <laughs> and eventually, yeah, uh, the three of us had a pretty good uh, little little thing going. We got a surprising amount of out of Oklahoma bookings, uh, mostly around the South, but we we uh, went to Kansas, Texas, Arkansas. Um, feel like maybe Louisiana once, but I might be misremembering that. And then Oregon one time. Somehow, I don't know how we swung that. But uh, most of our out-of-state shit was in Texas. What out-of-the-states you guys uh, visited there? Which ones do you think, uh, which state, I don't know, which state, uh, who had the best wrestling? Best dressed Oregon. Oregon had the most money for sure because they they were like an offshoot of one of the oldest wrestling companies in the United States. Yeah, that's how we got booked. They were like trying to do like a new like internet based show uh, to kind of use this like uh, enhancement thing before they got put onto the good company. Um, I do not remember much about the Oregon shows, just like uh, because I was drinking so heavy, like the entire time. And then also, you know, they got legal pot in Oregon that you can just buy if you're old enough. So I was getting into <laughs> that too, of course, which uh, Justin and Sean were just thrilled about. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. Are you being sarcastic or were they excited? Um, 
Sean was excited to see how I would be because I don't think he'd ever seen me uh, like uh, under the influence of weed before. Like he'd only ever seen me drunk, so he just wanted to see what kind of crap I would do. And then Justin was just like, "Ah, really? It's like, hey, I could be drinking right now. <laughs> Go do something." But like, yeah, we got paid pretty good at those shows, memory serves. But uh, the only things I remember, we worked this. It was one of those things where like we did a quick little three city tour over three days. Um, one show in Eugene, one show in Portland, and one show in Cave Junction, like this tiny little shitty town. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been to Oregon ever, but the the more you go inland from Eugene or Portland, Oregon, it might as well be West Virginia. <laughs> it's like so much crystal meth out there. And it, like hillbillies, like the most hillbilly hillbillies I've ever seen are out, out in Oregon. Seriously, like it's insane. But like, uh, I remember we did like the same show every time, worked the same team. And uh, to guarantee that I would get paid, uh, I got hit during these matches, and uh, usually what they would do is uh, like what they would take they would take my crutch from me, grab me, and just shit can me. That just means that toss, and like toss me over the guardrail and onto and uh, before they chuck me, they would tell the audience to move out of the way, and they would just throw me onto the uh, empty folding chairs. Um, what? That's not good for breaking a fall. It was surprisingly not that bad. Um, usually, you hit the like you roll, kind of rolling as you get as you land. So usually, like the chairs take the brunt of the fall away, and you just kind of. But usually, you know, okay. the chairs are moving forward with you too, so you kind of just, just hit the ground as gently as you're ever gonna, and the chairs kind of fall on top of you. Damn, that's how it happened with me anyway. One, I'm pretty sure there was one night where the chairs didn't. Fall and I just landed really hard on chairs. Ouch! <laughs> Which honestly was more painful than when they fall with you, would fall with. That me. makes sense. But that uh, makes sense. Uh, hey, I got paid. I got my money because I didn't get to do my, uh, stick time on any of those shows. That <laughs> uh, we lost because there was a team they were trying to build up every time. But hey, I, I, I got paid. I don't remember how much, and it wasn't as much as Justin and Sean, of course, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got I got mine out of that trip, um, but yeah, the crowds were probably best there. Texas had some pretty uh, lively crowds too, usually in the good way. But uh, then there's a whole knucklehead uh, era. <laughs> that was the name of a company. Yeah, that was. The, um, I forget how far. I think we were like a year and a half. Like we stayed, we were together for about three two years three years i can't remember but uh knucklehead was over a, a summer at some point this company like justin had uh gotten in good with this guy in dallas who was connect who his company wasn't very good but he knew people who were who like uh were working with metroplex which is like the best uh, so this is a this is a texas group yeah this is a this is a dallas area okay. specifically but like we we were trying we were trying to work for metroplex which is uh actually a really big deal in the dallas area um and and we figured uh oh, let's pair dues with this uh this little smaller company first and then we'll get to uh get our foot in it at, at metro uh that didn't end up happening but uh we 
ended up working with Knucklehead for a summer anyway. Um, the company was called Knucklehead Championship Wrestling. I knew nothing about them. I just knew that Justin texted me one night and said, hey, you want to start working in Texas? And uh, it sounded like a really good deal. Only two shows a month. A week in between both shows. Do it all uh, three months and we were guaranteed money. And I was guaranteed mic time. So I was like, this sounds great. Let's do it. Um, turned out it was Knucklehead was working in Dallas. Uh, they were working in Cooper, which is this tiny unincorporated town about an hour north of Dallas. Oh, right. This is like, I think I remember you telling yeah, me about yeah, this. Yeah, It's the Mad Max show. Yeah, this is the crazy com. Like, the first show, like, keep in mind, this is summer in Texas, so it's, like, really fucking hot. The first show, we were in this uh, community center, like, uh, like I don't want to say gym, but that's the only thing I can think of. And they were, like, a, uh, overhead doors that they opened up to get ventilation and set up the ring and stuff. And uh, it was actually pretty okay. It wasn't that hot, so I didn't want to die in my wool suit jacket that <laughs> I had to wear. Uh, but uh, our first show there was actually really, really good. Like, I would not be surprised if, like, most of the population of Cooper came to this show. Because it was pretty packed. And uh, we didn't know who we were working till we showed up. And we got in the locker room, and it's just a bunch of really old timer looking workers and then a bunch of dudes who look like they got their gear at hot topic and there and then i kind of looked around and there was an alarming amount of insane clown posse tattoos in that locker room which should have been my first red flag <laughs> that this was not going to be good uh the insane clown posse is really into wrestling yeah, and and uh, it juggle and wrestlers that like incorporate being a juggalo into their gimmick are like considered they just nobody's gonna go out of their way to book you because you're usually that means you're not very well trained, if at all. And uh, usually jugglers just like to do stupid like weapons kind of matches, like not like death match with like a bunch of blood and barbed wire and shit, just like chairs and maybe a table if they can scrape the money together. But uh yeah. Yeah, it was a whole company full of fucking juggalos and, like, these old-timer dudes that used to, like, count lights for the Von Erics at the Sportatorium back in the day. Let me tell you, those Sportatorium guys are fucking pricks. Like, none of them got famous. Like, none of them. I have Googled. I Googled all of them. Couldn't find shit. And Dallas used to be, the area used to be, like, wrestling, like, a hotbed for wrestling in that region of the country. Like, Ric Flair works for the Von Erics, and, like, Hulk Hogan, like, all, well, not Hulk Hogan, but, like, all these guys have been going to be very famous in the 80s and early 90s, worked at uh, World Class, but, like, these dudes were just, like, they had fun stories, like, the one nice one, uh, Van Johnson. Uh, was that, that was his name? Yeah, that was, I, I think that's his real name, too, like, but, uh, it, it was, but, uh. The rest of them were just like, that's the only time I've ever had an old guy come up to me and say, get my bags, uh, or help me untie my boots, and like, you have to fucking do it, or else it's just like, it becomes a whole thing. <laughs> so yeah, I had to take off Bone Crusher Bobby Burns' boots, and I had to carry uh, probably Bobby's bags, too. Bobby was the fucking worst, I hated that guy. 
But uh, our first show, we were working with Bobby, actually, Bobby actually, and uh, Bobby was like this like old school like heel like, and uh, I didn't want to work babyface. I did not drop sit in the car for five hours to work babyface. So like I walked up to the Booker because I was drunk and didn't give a shit. Like after I saw all the insane clown posse tattoos, I was like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck you got. Pl- I don't know what the fuck you got planned. But if we're working with Bobby, who's a heel, I can't do face, dude. Neither can Justin and Sean. <laughs> we like we, we we're heels. It's what we do. I'm just gonna do like my regular my regular shit, okay? And and, and uh, J and uh, the, the JT, I think his name was. Uh, he was like, okay, brother, yeah, whatever, man, that's cool. And then I went out, there, we went out first, and I just, honestly, one of the best live promos I've ever done. Like, I had everybody in there, but I got, I heard a couple people threaten me with violence, and it looked like they were serious. Uh, there, okay. I remember uh, there's this one lady who was up front, and, and she looked like the mom from What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh man! Oh oh yeah! Like she took, oh. up, she took up three chairs and had like and had like an oxygen oxygen tank and a mobility scooter, but she would just say the just most horrible horrible things to me while I was cutting promos. So like uh, on one hand, kind of annoying, but on the other hand, I knew who I could immediately go to if I wanted to do crowd work because she was so easy to rile up. But like yeah, she, and. and uh, I cut, and as I was cutting my promo and everybody was like threatening me and the audience was getting really like angry at me, I look at the back table and they're having a raffle, very common at smaller town wrestling shows. But one of the prizes was an AR-15. I guess it's totally legal to do this in Texas. Jesus. Uh, I don't think anybody had the money to buy the tickets for the AR-15, but I remember thinking like, oh fuck, there's a gun right there. Uh, uh-oh. But a uh, match went great. Uh, I turned. I got so much heat that when Bobby came out, they cheered him. And at the time, Bobby was like their war biggest like shithead heel that they had. So I turned Bobby Burns' face. That is one of the things I will I I will always uh, remember. <laughs> it, it, you got the audience to cheer a bad guy. And and, and uh, JT liked my. Uh, Mike works so much. He was like, "Hey, brother, uh, how'd you like to be a commissioner?" And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, you could be like a heel commissioner." And I was like, "What about Justin and Sean though?" He's like, "Oh, you can still work with them." I was like, "Okay." And I figured that meant more money for us. So cool. Uh, but more mic time for me. Cool. But. Uh, I thought it would be maybe like a segment or two every night, and then I'd just do Justin's and Sean's match, and that'd be it. But uh, he wanted me out there at the. St- I was the start of every show after he made me commissioner. I was the end of every show as commissioner, and he would have me go out there during all these matches. It made no sense for me to want to get involved in. Wow. Yeah, put a lot. I uh, I remember the. For the first flyer for the for, for like the show where I was field commission, I was in like the headliner spot of the flyer, like you know, like upper center, like where you put like your champion. He he put me there, and that made me insanely uncomfortable. <laughs> I was like, oh no, 
those juggalos are gonna fucking kick my ass. Like, I'm gonna have to, <laughs> like, this is not gonna end well. But, uh, here's another thing about Knucklehead, though. Uh, they started every show with a guided prayer from their live commentary guy. They had live commentary, and it bothered me. Live commentary is fucking stupid. <laughs> but, uh, and he was not good at it at all. Like, he would forget our names all the time. He would get Justin Sean confused. Uh, he would mispronounce my last name all the time. And also, if there's a live commentary guy, me doing my heel shit, managing Justin and Sean, like, he's going to say, like, look out, ref. Like, it makes no sense that the ref wouldn't look after some guy on a fucking microphone says, look out, ref. Like, reps already look stupid when you do distraction spots. They, like, like, how, like, you cannot suspend disbelief enough to go, oh, come the fuck on. Like, this guy's going <laughs> to hit somebody with the... Oh, and they also traded out my uh, crutch for a suit, for a briefcase. That was my, that was my uh, prop. Because your leg was better at this point. Yeah, my leg was all... Oh, yeah, my leg had been better at that, by then. Um, but uh, they started every show with a guided prayer. And uh, then immediately after that, I would have to cut. And then they would play the national anthem. And then I would have to go into the ring and immediately cut a heel promo. (laughs) When the audience is all like somber from Jesus and Marka, immediately I go out. So it was easy as shit to get him to boo me. But uh, it also was making him legitimately mad, depending on what I would say. (laughs) Um, I, I'll never forget the last show I worked for Knucklehead. Like, just I, I just hated it more and more with every progressive sh- the show. I, I started drinking before and during shows. Oof. Uh, I had I would have a flask I kept on me, and I would just you know dip out back and swig from it real quick. Um, Knucklehead, the thing, there's a bunch of shit I didn't like about Knucklehead. Uh, their crowds were the, it was the most white trash, like, garbage people. Like, they, like, the things they would shout at me when I would cut heel promos, like, F slurs and, and, uh, like, threatening me with violence and it seemed like they were fucking serious and like uh also since texas doesn't uh care like uh have pro wrestling governed by the athletic commission uh there's no requirements that wrestling shows have to meet like in states that do uh where you have to have a barricade between the audience and the wrestlers and you have to have mats around the ring for the wrestlers to land on and like all that uh, they don't they don't have to do that in texas so and knucklehead was poor as fuck so, no barricade at all. Like, not even as much as, like, a, a rope. Like, just nothing. So, like, uh, the last show at Knucklehead, I op- we opened up with the live commentary guy doing this poem that he wrote set to music about America. <laughs> and, it, and, like, it, I remember it was just, like, it was called That fl- Like, it was called, like, That Flag. I rub that flag shone brightly over the black. Like, just like, you know, when we went to Germany and beat the Nazis, he claimed that we, America won Vietnam, which, <laughs> no, we fucking did not. Wow. Like, he's like, we stopped, saved the people in Vietnam. Of course, he pronounced it Vietnam. 
and like, wow. and, and lubricated them. Like, no, actually, we left it in worse shape than it was when we fucking got there. And uh, le- I mean, we did do pretty good about making all the communists stay up north, though. I guess sort of, but also we w- entered fucking Cambodia, like we said we weren't gonna do. And <laughs> but like. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and he just kept it kept going up to present day, and I'm pretty sure Obama was still president at this point. Okay, so he might have said something anti-Obama, but I do not. In fact, he probably did. It was fucking such a trash show. Um, and then I went up there and cut a heel promo, and uh, about to like hype up what matches were coming and what Dynamic Shields was doing that night. Um, and uh. Then I go to the back, and the AC had stopped and shot out. And this is July in Texas. Oh, no. So it, it's like it, an it, oven. Oh, my God, yeah. Like we had uh, fans going, but they were just kind of moving the hot air around. Um, and, I, and, like, it's a bunch of wrestlers, and they're all sweating. And, like, or, and... I'm in a wool suit jacket and a long sleeve button up, and I was just sweating buckets through my suit, and just, and then uh, JT kept adding shit for me to do. Like when I got there, he told me, "Okay, you're gonna open with a promo, then uh, after intermission, you're gonna go out and hype the main event again, and then you're gonna do Justin and Sean's match, and then that is in, and that is it." Like, okay, cool. Then I go to the back after the opening promo. He's like, hey, brother, I want you to go out there and and be in Van and Bobby's match. Van and Bobby were doing a Texas bull rope match. What is is that? A Texas bull rope match is when uh, you get an actual bull rope, like those thick, rough ropes, and you get a bell attached to it so you can crack, hit each other with that and cut and, and <laughs> guaranteed blood. Uh, like, like, uh, and then uh, it's just a match and they, they're roped together so you can use the rope to like choke the guy out. And it's no disqualifications, obviously. It makes no fucking sense why anyone would need me to help cheat. <laughs> they have a weapon... T- tying themselves, tying them together with a sharper weapon in the middle. <laughs> Why in the fuck do I need to go out there with a spray bottle, like one of those like fucking little spritzer bottles, like for like air freshener and shit, and spray fucking Bobby in the face? Why do I need to do that? <laughs> so, so just to be a dick. And, and it's just like, and it makes no fucking sense. Be- <laughs> Because I'm not involved with either of them. Aside from being the commissioner, I am in no way attached to any of them in any storyline. He would not tell me what he had planned after that. Oh, no. So I was just like, dude, I'm not fucking doing that. He's like, what? I was like, because it doesn't make any fucking sense, JT. I'm not doing it. Like, I'm already doing fucking three things. and, and like, And you want me to do this. And he's like, okay, well, Bobby's going to be mad. It's like, I do not give a fuck, and you can tell him I said that. <laughs> and, and so he's like, okay. He just kind of went like, all right. And I was like, fucking 
Jesus Christ. And then, like, the show ran long because all everybody in this fucking locker room is a fucking superstar and thinks they deserve fucking half an hour. Like, all the juggalo dipshits got a crap matches where they crack each other with chairs all night. And then go, like, every match went at least 15. And that is a damnably long show. They had so much gimmick matches on that fucking card. Like, they had the three hardcore matches, a hair versus title match. I'm sorry, wait. Did you say hair versus title? Yeah, that's called, that's uh, what, what is referred to as uh, lucha de apuestas, which means this, it, it just means wager fight. Oh, okay. uh, it, it's a lucha libre invention. Usually, it's mask versus mask. Like if this guy loses, if you lose, you have to take your mask oh. off. But then uh, North America, like North American companies, like in the states and Canada, uh, liked that. It, but they wouldn't. But since masks aren't so, like, common, they shave your head. Yeah, like like they'll shave your head, or they'll. Uh, uh, if you lose, you have to leave town forever. Or if you, like, <laughs> I've seen some of those matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh, they became very popular in like Tennessee back in the uh, Jerry Jarrett and uh, Lawler days. But uh, we like uh, it, so much gimmicky shit. And then uh, on top of that, like the match that Justin and Sean were in was this like Survivor Series type thing, which is uh, when you have. Two teams of like four, and it's like single elimination, and the last team with member standing wins. Um, and then it's it, so like, and already the crowd's all fired up and like kind of cranky because the show's going so long. So we go out there, and apparently, didn't know this till we were already out there. One of the guys on Justin and Sean's team didn't show up so they like uh, in a locker room full of wrestlers that could easily just they didn't even have to tag in they could have just stood on the apron fucking jt finds this fucking dude who's been training maybe a month and he clearly like has some sort of uh a developmental thing going on uh, like, I don't know if he was on the spectrum or what, but he was just, like, very awkward, and, like, I couldn't understand a word he was saying, and, like, just, and I, th- so he was on our team to flesh it out, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, remember what I said about, uh, Texas having no barricade, having no requirements for barricades? Yes. Uh, halfway through this match... Some little kid runs up and kicks me in the balls. Luckily, he was really little and the kick was too high for him to get all of it behind it, but still didn't feel nice. Then some lady ran up and started verbally harassing me and like, and it seemed too malicious for it to be her just playing along. And keep in mind, since there's no barricade, She's in my face, like directly in my face, calling me and all that. Like, and, and I was like, fuck this place so much. And then uh, around this time, one of the teams was just nothing but fucking backyard juggalo idiots. And they decide this is no DQ now. It's not supposed to be. They just decided. <laughs> So they start working out of the ring and the ref doesn't start counting. And I'm like, why the fuck isn't this idiot counting? And, and, and then that's when the staple gun comes out. 
Whoa. And and uh, uh, he starts, like, the guy with the staple gun, like, has the other guy in a headlock, and he's going around like, who has a dollar? Who has a dollar? And then people are just taking out singles, and he just grabs one, staples it to the guy's forehead. Grabs another one, staples it to a guy's chest, which is, like, a pretty pedestrian kind of uh, hardcore match spot nowadays. But this wasn't supposed to be a fucking hardcore match. So eventually, after he decides he's stapled enough dollar bills to the other guy, that staple gun guy, whose name I don't remember, uh, came up to me like, hey, I'm going to get you with one. I was like, no, you're fucking not. <laughs> he's like, oh, I don't get such a huge pop. I was like, if you fucking touch me, I swear to God, I will fuck, I will, I will get, I will stiff the shit out of you, dude. I am not fucking around. And then he's like, I'm coming back and I'm going to do it. And I, I, I'm praised. And what does it mean to stiff the hell out of someone? Hit them for real. Hit the, okay, that's what I thought. Like, like, like sh- it's also called shooting on somebody. Or, I've heard that one. Yeah, or working a little, sn- being a little snug is a, is another phrase that's used. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I basically I threatened to crack him in the face with my briefcase for real, and like I guess he forgot. Uh, and then after the staple gun thing, uh, somebody had light tubes, light tubes in the Jesus. ring now. I've, yeah. s- I've seen people do that in wrestling before. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, then they, they, uh, somebody, uh, did color, like, that's one of the many phrases for cut himself with a razor blade so he would bleed on purpose, so they, like, sell the, how violent mm-hmm. his matches, which wasn't supposed to be violent, it was supposed to be, <laughs> series type match. What, and for the audience, what is a survivor type? Uh, that like I explained before, it's when there's two teams of four and it's single elimination. Oh, and, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. My uh, bad. That's yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I don't even remember how the rest of the match went because I, I just know like I'm pretty sure more people probably ran up to me and assaulted me and stuff like that. Um, and then like after the match was over, uh, Justin and Sean and I go to the back and I immediately start throwing shit in my bag. And he, and I was like, yeah, I don't give a fuck what you guys do, but I'm just going to start walking. Like, either you guys come with me and we drive home, or I'm fucking hitching. Because I, I am done. I am fucking done. And, and so, like, I go outside and start chain smoking by the car. <laughs> and eventually Justin and Sean come out. And Sean was happy as hell because he was getting sick of Knucklehead, too. And, but Justin was so disappointed in me the entire four hours back because he was like they were gonna give us creative control i was like i don't give a shit dude fuck that place and then and uh we had like three weeks before the next show and i just didn't go (laughs) is this the same texas town you told me about where there was um the wrestler with uh cerebral palsy yes actually yes i forget his name but he he wasn't bad he only had like two spots he could do but that's part of the reason we, they, he gave me the briefcase because he's like we can't have two guys with crutches and like you don't actually need it to walk but he does like we can't have you like you're that's way... fair that's fair give it to the guy who really needs him yeah, yeah so uh but uh yeah I, I never went back to texas after that and then i think yeah just that winter after that summer was when uh mike sold the company sold compound because he had a kid on the way and he wanted to take time off because his back was getting screwed up and uh he signed compound over to 
this guy named Mitch, whose mom had oil money, and like Mitch wanted to turn Compound into this like really hip internet-based indie fed to put Oklahoma back on the map. Uh, uh, Mike sold it to him under the impression that he was still going to use us, like all the local guys, because Mike never booked uh, former WWE people or former Impact people to come in to, like for the sake of getting a slightly bigger draw. He's like, my, like, my guys are the stars. Like, local guys are the stars, like, regional guys are the stars. We don't need, like, we're good enough that we don't need it. And we proved that time and time again by drawing real huge. Like, one time we outdrew this show less than 20 minutes away. They had, uh, like, uh, Scott Steiner and X-Pac and Rikishi and, uh, I think Jeff Hardy, I think. Damn. Like, on the bill, we outdrew them by, like, wow. wasn't even close. We fucking just way the fuck outdrew. But uh, Mitch decided, no, fuck you, not doing that. And he like, called in all of his indie buddies and every, and they would only do one show a month. And every show would have a fucking name signed to it. Um, Joey Janela, uh, who, no, not Joey Janela, uh, fucking dick flip guy. Whatever, it doesn't matter. He turned out to be a date rapist. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he was a California-based guy who was kind of like internet indie wrestling famous that worked with Impact for like a second. But uh, he became champion. Like, uh, I think the first show with Mitch in charge, the entire point of the first show was take the belts off of all of Mike's people and give them to my guys. And, like, then he started training people, and he had, like, his favorites from his classes, and, like, he would, yeah, and then he had, had like, some uh, trade deal going with DDT, which is not a huge deal, but still, it's people flying out from Hey, hey, I hear DDT causes cancer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, and then, uh, so, like, after Mike left and Justin and Sean got shit canned, and he didn't like, Mitch didn't like me because uh, I didn't remember him in between times where he visited the shows to check things out. Uh, he, yeah, he got, like, irrationally angry that I did not remember his name. Damn. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it, it, and, like, uh, the, I showed, but he didn't tell any of us that, he didn't tell any of, a, of the three of us that we weren't booked. So, like, I showed up first, and then I went to talk to Mitch, like, hey, what am I doing tonight? He was like, oh, I'll tell you later. And then his mom, so, like, this crotchety old fucking bitch, shoves this packet of paper in my face and said, you have to fill this out. And I was like, what What are you shoving? And, like, I was probably half in the bag just because I didn't know if I was booked or not. So I was just like... What the fuck is this lady? And she's like, it's your contract. If you don't sign it, you. It's like fucking contract. And I, I looked through it, and it was like, any t-shirts you sell, we get twenty five percent. You have to show up every week, even if you're not booked. Um, like uh, you acknowledge that we own the rights to like whatever you do for us. And I was like. Fuck you, I ain't signing that. And they're like, then you can't work here. I was like, fucking fine. And then, like, it turned out he didn't have anything booked for me anyway. Mitch was just too... Mitch was very vindictive, but he was also a huge fucking pussy. So, like, the way that uh, people found out they were losing their titles was their opponents would tell them. 
Mm. Which was not fair to their opponents because usually people are if people are gonna be like, what the fuck? It's gonna be at who told them that. And and like, yeah, he was bad. Like he he just ran the company into the fucking ground. Like they uh never sold out any of their shows that cost thousands of fucking dollars because Mitch was paying to have dames come in. He had Joey Ryan, that was his name. He had Joey Ryan be champion for a fucking month and a half. And it, it, like to bring people in, and then like yeah, it just became this stupid indie thing with just Mitch's favorites and indie hipster people that we were willing to work for for him. And uh, he stopped paying the commission, their cut of stuff, and uh, none of the local guys wanted to work for him anymore because they were always booked to lose, and they never knew what they were doing until they like minutes before they went out sometimes. And, like, also they built a ramp from the uh, gorilla position to the ring, which was against the lease agreement. So, uh, they got evicted from perfect practice, <laughs> too. And then, like, they never just never found another venue and fizzled out. And, you know, RIP compound instead, now. Wow. Yeah. So that's quite a journey. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, there's a bunch of, like, funny stories that I could tell, but this is already pretty long enough. And usually the, I mean, I can't say that I've uh, seen some fireworks that are pretty funny just because of who was involved with them. You've seen some, what, wait, wait, what do you mean? Fireworks means people yelling at each other and potentially getting in a fight after, because something going wrong in a match. Oh, great tale. (laughs) Um, the one, the fireworks I remembered the most is, um, it was Legion versus La Familia, and like Legion was like this like spooky like sat- devil like Satan-y zombie kind of gimmick. Like they came to the ring to Marilyn Manson's version to I put a spell on you, and they had corpse paint. And, uh, and, and like one of them was like a voodoo guy. The other one just did was like this little like demony looking dude, and like there was and, and they got very over very quickly. <laughs> But uh, they were working with La Familia. And I guess somebody was working a little stiff or uh, somebody missed a spot. And, like, wrestlers are interesting in as much as a lot of them are just kind of nerds. But there's still plenty of wrestlers that are, like, that were jocks type people in, like, high school and stuff like that. So they that only got into wrestling because of the physical aspect of it. And, uh, so, and either way, if something goes wrong, they get really annoyed about it. Some of them manage to keep it to themselves and calm themselves down, but other times they, fireworks happen and you see them scream at each other and potentially fight. And something about it being just, you know, just 10 o'clock at night in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm sitting in a parking lot, (laughs) like chain smoking and there's a p- dudes and they're still in their gear mind you so there's like guys in face paint arguing with guys wearing you know like tassels on their arms and brightly colored trunks and they're like getting into it with each other and like they're all screaming like, i'm gonna fuck you up motherfucker you'll never work this day fuck you pussy i'm way more over than you'll ever be like fuck you don't tell me what to do and then Wait, did you just say i'm more mormon more over Oh, or I'm that, that, o- over I mean, over means popular. Okay. Um, but but like uh, yeah yeah just 
it's the most ridiculous thing in the world to see. It's just like these dudes in lycra outfits trying just screaming at each other and trying to fight. And I mean, usually they don't actually swing on each other, but I have seen some that actually get to that point. But this particular one, uh, yeah, one of Legion's girlfriends who was pregnant came out to break the fight up because she correctly figured i'm pregnant and and i'm a woman if i get but stand in between them they're not they're not going to do anything <laughs> but they were still screaming at each other and like and then you realize the reason they are fighting so angrily right now is because of a predetermined fight they had in what basically amounts to a violent play and you wonder to yourself how the fuck did i get here <laughs> <laughs> so I so I just want to take a second to be like so that is a big thing we didn't really I or maybe we did touch on it, but the but one of the things that I feel like audiences who don't watch wrestling don't always uh, recognize with wrestling is the large the amount of theatricality to it. Mm-hmm. Like there's good guys, there's bad guys, there's feuds. Like there's there's people that are it, like wild cards sprinkled in here and there. Like you've got like it, any given wrestling show, you can have feuds based around patriotism or personal relationships or grudges or you know that's it. and I mean, like, if it's for a title, that's that's it. I'm fighting you for that. You know, like, my favorite wrestling match I ever saw was um, the Undertaker versus. Uh, I always fuck up his name, but I want to say the uh, heart. Uh, Shawn Michaels, that one. Yeah, that's the Heartbreak Kid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't get. I still haven't gotten a chance to see this. I don't know. I started watching some of the second one, but like I wasn't in the right mindset. I want to be able to watch it when I can focus on it. But, uh, but like the thing that really drew me in immediately was like the way they entered the ring. Mm-hmm. There was this whole thing. I can't remember who came out first, but like. The Undertaker came up from under, the, like under the stage that they come out on before they walk to the ring, mm-hmm. like he was ascending from hell. Yeah. And then Shawn Michaels came down the opposite way from like the sky and this like, like some type of elevator in the with like some clouds that brought him down to what, the stage. What, wasn't he wearing all white? Gear yeah, too? yeah, he yeah, was. Just being, he was. His, just being as over the top with the symbolism as possible. That's old and, school wrestling and, type. And, psychology there yeah no and it was like a wild match because like at a certain point like oh yeah they, they put on some they put on some good ones like the way it ended though is that the under the undertaker ultimately won because it was wrestlemania and, mm-hmm. and this, yeah this, yeah yeah and he hadn't lost yet which like like on, on like a symbolic level was like wild to me because i'm like man the devil won and everybody's cheering like crazy yep. that because yep. sean michaels was clearly god's guy in this fight like that's the setup <laughs> But it's Undertaker and Mania, and he hadn't lost to Brock at 30 yet, so... Yeah. Sometimes I look back at that match, though, and I think to myself, you know what? Maybe that should have been the... Maybe that should have broken the streak, because then it would... At least it would have yeah. been like... It would have felt like he... Like somebody earned it. Mm-hmm. That, like that, that would have... Uh, yeah, that... Uh, that's a common opinion that wrestling fans have. Lots of people... But, like, Undertaker being Undertaker, wrestling for so long, and his streak being as big as it was, lot, there, lot, there's uh, tons of opinions on this guy should have ended it. Well, I mean, of course. Of course. Yeah. That's fair. 
But uh, yeah, people were kind of disappointed that it was Brock. But at the same time, like I was fine with it because it's like he looks like he could beat up the Undertaker. Like sp spooky Undertaker powers aren't gonna scare that guy. He's like if a gorilla could stand on his time. Uh, on two That's legs. not like, the point. That's not the point, Gato. That's not the point. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also, apparently, Undertaker got a concussion during that match. And yeah. Remember the rest yeah. of the spots. <laughs> Because yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a part where he collides with the cameraman. Yeah. Um, Those cameras are heavy. Yeah, no. Um, but, so, like, they're basically soap operas with sweaty man-on-man -man action. That's, that's, that's how you could describe them. Yeah. And also, just remember, everyone, Rick Santorum made it easier for sweaty men to do drugs and wrestle with each other. Yeah. That... Yeah, that was back in the back in the cocaine and somas days. And when it's not even just like those kind of drugs, but like steroids. Yeah. They could take steroids and, after that. And at some point they were encouraged to do that. Yeah. Like that could that because that's really like the main because, like, it's sporting commissions that make it, like, illegal to do drugs. Mm -hmm. So I mean, well, specifically steroid drugs. Really, there are, there's, like, uh, uh, medical qualities, to, like, uh, uh, uses for uh, uh, anabolics like that. So, like, that's how they would, they would just lie if it came mm -hmm. up. They're just like, oh, I have, you know, I have a muscle injury I'm recovering mm -hmm. from. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it also, a big part was that there was a, a whole state. Where nobody was gonna ask. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why they got wrestling there big. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, like wrestling nowadays, like now that everybody knows everything, uh, like you know, the curtain is like uh, the curtain has been open for a long time. But, mm -hmm. Like uh, it, inter internet wrestling fans are scary sometimes like uh th like especially with aw becoming a thing uh aw has like this cult of neckbeards that will go online and just fuck your life up if you have any kind of following and are critical of aw in any way <laughs> jesus yeah yeah it's happened they've doxed people um uh, sometimes, like a couple of them have gotten arrested for the threats they've made over the internet. Like, just and it's over, and it's just because I didn't much care for this particular thing AEW did. Well, fuck you, like, you know, like, uh, fandoms are crazy. Yeah, man. yeah, and you can't like it. It doesn't matter. Like, I could go on Twitter right now, and I my my account's basically just a lurker account. I do not post anything. But if I tweeted something about AEW that I didn't like. And tagged AEW in it. Guarantee you, at least ten people would tell me to go fuck myself, and like probably DM me some like, I will find you because you do not like Tony Khan's vision, and he is saving pro wrestling. Yeah, and, and uh, but like, yeah, the whole I could go on a whole thing about AEW. Like, I really, really want to like AEW, but just like the things that they do. Yeah. In the way that their most ardent fans are makes it very difficult. It's like, do we really need a fucking tournament every other week? Do we really need, like, 
do, do we really need to have fucking Britt Baker win everything? Like, can we, like, like you keep snapping up all these women's wrestlers that WWE let go for budgetary reasons. It's kind of like how I feel about the Democrats, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's like, you have I, all the components here for this to be it's good. Like, Why does it suck? I want you to suc- <laughs> I want you to do good things, Democrats, but you're too goddamn stupid and in your own way. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, like, and then the Republicans are very successful and terrible. Mm-hmm. And that's what Vince McMahon is. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's w- the metaphor I'm yeah, making Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, uh, if you say anything critical of AEW, like, their uh, Twitter fans will, like, call you. Like, they have different phrases they use. Like, e-drone is the most common. Mm-hmm. If you say anything nice about WWE, you're an e-drone. But there's also Vincel. That's another one. Like, uh, portmanteau of Vince and incel. Good Which Lord. is pretty fucking rich coming from some of these dudes. Look, trust me. <laughs> like, they, oh yeah, Vince like, Vince. Yeah, yeah, Vince. At least Vincel's funny. E drone is just like okay. I was gonna say E drone. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, not good. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and and but like part of the problem is like the way AEW does stuff. Like there's storylines going, but most of their matches are just. Here's two wrestlers that only you know about, wrestling fans that do nothing but watch wrestling. You are, and then the end, like the way that, like, I, it's from what I see when I watch it, some AEW shit, it's like they're doing, they're like, you are so cool for liking wrestling. Here is a thing for you that, because you're so cool. I, Tony Khan, am one of you. And, like, that's the problem. Like, I don't want to fucking Mark book in my show, dude. Like, Marks don't know how to do that. Uh, Marks means, it used to just mean fans in general, but nowadays it means people who like wrestling that fucking much. (laughs) Like, Like, even though you know this is a show and that none of this matters at all. <laughs> they still like threaten people with violence for saying, I think Ruby Soho should have won the women's Owen Hart tournament. Or why did Adam Cole have to win the men's Owen Hart tournament? Or why in this tournament dedicated to Owen Hart, who didn't even work for this company, is every fit does every finish involve his brother's finisher? Why? <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. Why did it end with your champ with your champions coming out with Bret Hart shirts? This tournament is named after his dead brother. Why are we doing this, Tony Khan? AEW fans, make this make sense to me. <laughs> and and then, but then you get dismissed as a Vincel because you don't think that everything Tony Khan did is the greatest thing ever. Because like Tony Khan is like their little little baby guy. Is there any chance that any of these neckbeards on Twitter are in fact Tony Khan? Possibly. Dude already bought all the dirt sheets, but like it would not surprise me at all if like or or some of them want that to happen desperately, and that's why they keep just slobbering AEW's dick all the time online. And like I, I don't know, like I, I watched and they like I there are aspects of AEW that I really really like. I like Blackpool Combat Club. I like it, what they're doing with Eddie Kingston. Um, fucking women's division is starting to look a little better. 
Like, it's still got a ways to go. I'm going to take a quick moment here to just say, women's wrestling has improved dramatically. It is so good now. Like, it, it, like it, it's so good. Like, I, Which I think started with, actually, um, ironically, uh, with TNA wrestling, which stood yeah, for yeah, Total it, Non-Stop Action. Yeah, now it's just Impact now. But... Um, but it was the first like wrestling yeah, yeah. company to take women's wrestling seriously. And, and and keep in mind, like at the time, like uh, a lot of schools didn't train women still. Like only a couple did, so like it was kind of difficult. To, so like you were either start signed to you either signed a model, a fitness model, and hope that she was good. I mean, there have always been women's wrestling outfits, as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah, but uh, usually it was like, they were like jokes, though. Yeah, no, but th- what I mean is that like yeah, at uh, TNA now known as Impact. They really, they was it was the first time that women's wrestling matches were given like some type of respect. Yeah, like yeah, where I mean, it you wasn't had, you just had, you had companies like Shimmer that were good doing that, but nobody knew about Shimmer except for people who do nothing but watch wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways. Uh. So yeah, I guess we'll just we'll. I guess we'll leave it on that note there. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could ramble about wrestling like probably forever because I like it so much and I mm-hmm. know a lot about it. But uh, hats off to Total Nonstop Action now known as Impact. Yeah, for helping start making women's wrestling good. Now it's really good. Like, I mean, I have a lot of wrestling T-shirts. Like, most of the ones I've bought in the oh, yeah. last few years have been for women's wrestling. The thing you have to understand, audience, is that before, before uh, Total Nonstop Action Wrestling came around women's matches were primarily things like like they just rip each other's clothes off i mean basically yeah hair. like a like, bra- it like was, a, what is it a brawn panties match brawn panties match or like it would be an actual match but it would end really quickly and most of the spots were around or uh geared toward like oh now you can see my butt and like stuff like that and it's really cool to be able to like watch women's wrestling and not feel like we just like uncomfortable because it's like you know i like if i want to watch porn i'll watch porn like i want to watch wrestling now and and, 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 but uh and now like the most of the women out there can actually wrestle a little bit or if they or they might be a little clunky at first but they get there Mm -hmm. and it and you know like i would have killed to have women's wrestling be like that when i was a kid because like it was the worst like you know i'm watching smackdown or something the women's match comes on i'm looking over my shoulder make sure my mom doesn't walk in like just just kind of going like come on come on wrap it up wrap mm-hmm. it up because I don't want to explain I didn't want to explain to my mother why I was watching two women rip each other's clothes off and hit each other with pillows or whatever like and I mean like I'm sure some some people in the audience because of Netflix are going to be like well what about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling from the eighties and it's like yes the gorgeous ladies of wrestling was an all women wrestling outfit but like they they heavily played up the um, the theatrical element? Yeah, like, they, like, it was really campy. Like, they were actually trying to wrestle. I'll give them credit. But, like, it was really campy. The, uh, they, they wasn't, like, putting them over as, like, athletes. It was more just going, like, okay, we're, it's just a bunch of characters that are immediately flander, flanderized. It- it wasn't taken as, as serious. Yeah, it was looked at as like a joke. Or like, <laughs> look, those those women are wrestling. Like, because you know the infantilization of women was a very still a very big issue at the time. Eighties, man. Yeah. Eighties were gross. But uh, but but yeah, the 
when uh, when TNA started doing that, they actually started women uh, women talent started going from WWE to them, which was great for them. Weirdly, I always felt like TNA was like the more progressive company. Like it just it seemed like they were. I don't, do, would you say that that's, that feels about right if I you mean, compare kinda, the two it, of them? It, in as much, like, they still did some, like, sexy kind of stuff, but, like... Yeah. It was still, like, a match, though. Like, it was just, they were, you know, they had the beautiful people, like, basically wrestling in lingerie. But, like, they were having actual matches. Well, I don't, but, I, I don't just mean about but, the like, women, but I mean, yeah. like, in general. Like, like they didn't give off the same, like... Yeah, it was... Uh, 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 we are a cultural institution thing that WWE has because yeah. they've been around for so long. So it was just like, hey, look, an alternative to WWE. Isn't that mm-hmm. neat? You, ha- we, you have us you can watch now if you need a break yeah. from WWE. And, and and they fucked themselves over by going head-to-head with, like, I believe SmackDown was when, they, when they were on Spike. And, like, yeah. That's that, probably and, a mistake. And that's, uh, that's why Impact, uh, Impact is on, like, a pop channel or something like some channel that like isn't on basic cable it's on it like one in the more they 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 show the uh they're all pre, all the episodes are pre-recorded and they play them at like some ungodly hour and like it's but but it's oh, comfortable God. but it's comfortable like this like it, it impact knows what it is it still has it's still uh you know people that really really like wrestling still watch impact because they watch all wrestling God, I guess. Ex- except for Lucha Libre, oddly enough. Like, from what I've seen on Twitter, like, they all pre- at least pretend to watch New Japan, and then they watch Impact and AEW and keep tabs on what's happening with WWE, but you, ne- I've never seen any of them mention, like, uh, So CML. Mexican wrestling is underrated, is what you're saying. Yes, I very much like Lucha Libre a lot. And, and uh, it makes me sad that it doesn't get uh, as much exposure as it should. <laughs> Well, that's hear that. Those are the endorsements from from Gato here. Do you you don't have Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I just recorded a, a new uh, uh, EP, like EP, I guess you'd call it. But uh, for for uh, my my folk, my folk punk kind of music project called Gato Baracho, uh, I just finished it like. This hours ago, so mm-hmm. so I'm still waiting to get all the tracks back. I don't have a release date, quote unquote, release date for it yet, but uh, it, it'll it'll be on. Uh, I plan to put it up on Bandcamp and stuff like that. Do you know what your Bandcamp will be called when it goes up? No. <laughs> all right. Well, just Gato Baracho then. Just use that to look for it mm-hmm. at some indeterminate time in the future. Yeah, probably, you know, at latest, I want to have it up next month, like in July at some point, so. All right. All right, well, Gato, let's say goodbye to the people. Bye, everybody. Everyone have a wonderful, a wonderful whenever you're listening to this, and thank you for joining us on Inside the Wrestling Studio.